Hello, and welcome back to Listen to These Nerds. Uh, uh, today, I'm here interviewing Kyle about a ridiculous number of Masks playbooks that he uh, has put out. Uh, Kyle, uh, thank you for coming on to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I'm, I'm Kyle. Uh, I guess I would be called the creative director for Five Points Gaming. Um, I have a, a partner. They do all the graphic design. Their name is Sam. Uh, you can find them at Neon Shift, which is neon with a three, an underscore, and then an I, a one for the I. Uh, and you can find me at 832awesome on Twitter. Um, yeah, and as usual, uh, if you are looking for anything uh, that uh, that our guest uh, mentions or wants to link out to, it will be in the description uh, if you can't, uh, you know, so you don't have to go back and forth on our recording to, to get all of that detail in. All right, so, um, Kyle? Yeah. I guess the, the first question is, how did you get into mass? Um... So I am on a forum called Giants in the Playground. I don't know if you've heard of it. It used to be pretty popular. Um, running the Order of the Stick webcomic um, and a lot of other, you know, game hosting stuff, for, especially for 3.5 D&D. Um, but I've been on that forum since college, which has been a long time. Uh, and one of the beta backers hosted a play-by-post game on it and... I just kind of stumbled in, and uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of it. Really fell in love. It was the first Powered by Apocalypse system that I played, um, and I just kind of instantly fell in love with the mechanics and the central conceit of the game. And I have obviously dedicated a lot of time to it now. Yes. Um, so, uh, how how many playbooks have have you written? I um. I think the number is actually cl- almost th- close to thirty. I think twenty-eight. Um, some of them aren't on the the master sheet that you've you've seen. Um, they were really early works uh, when uh, G plus was still around, um, and they're they're just you know not very good. Um, so I I have I haven't shared them. I I have gone back um, over the last couple weeks and touched them up a little bit. Um, and a few are, are back on the on the sheet, but I, I think I think I only have one left. So I think the final number will be twenty seven playbooks or twenty six playbooks. One of the two. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it it, it is uh, quite a bit. So um, uh, in our other interviews, we've kind of gone through these one at a time, but I feel like we'd be here for like uh, another like three four hours if we did that individually. So, Yo, yeah, we we be here for a long time. Why don't we start by talking about your process first? Uh, sure. So, um, I've I've been doing homebrew for a really long time. Um, like I said, I started off um in D anD D. Um, I did some homebrew for Second Ed, uh, way back when. Um, and then I kind of moved to three point five. Uh, and, and kind of fell out of it when I, I moved across. Uh, I'm from the U.S., so I, I moved across the country um, and left all my, my books and stuff behind. So there was a period where I really wasn't doing much. Um, so the, the process has changed over, over the years, um, as, as you'd expect. Um, for Power by the Apocalypse, I think it's, it's such a narrative-driven game, and there's such a, um, such a focus on, on inter-party and inter-narrative drama that I I really try to hone in what the drama is for the playbook before I really start to think about mechanics or any anything like that. Um, I I actually have a list of of questions that I ask myself um, b- before I I write. And the the list the the, the questions have expanded, um, but originally there were it was just four four questions, um, which was what does the drama of the playbook bring to the game at large? What drama does this playbook playbook bring to the characters in particular um what drama does the playbook put upon the rest of the team and how does it how is that drama dealt with mechanically in the playbook itself um so once all those sort of were were answered i would sit down and and start the process um and it generally took each playbook generally took around two or three days um on I, i would say on average on average to hammer out and then maybe another two days to be ready to, to show people. So almost, almost a week per playbook. 
give or take. Mm-hmm. Some, I, some, I, some way less, some, some way more. Yeah, I, I believe I, I saw you mentioned, uh, I think it was the, the Tulpa uh, got banged out in an hour while you were drunk. Yeah, um, the, the Tulpa, I, I had, had done a heavy night of drinking. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. Something really clicked with its, with its, um, so my, my drive is to take a setting and see how far I can push the mechanics until they break, until they, you know, until they can't function anymore in that, in that game system. Um, and I don't know, something, yeah, something with the Tulpa and, and a, a drunken haze really clicked and it came about in an hour. I, Think the pariah also came. I set I set myself an hour just to write a playbook to see if that I see that I could, and I think the pariah also got done in an hour. Um, and I think that may or may not show. It's not one of the ones that I think is is really robust, but um, you know, kind of a kind of a personal challenge on that one to to see if I could do a playbook just from start to finish, from from conception to to completion in an hour. And I almost didn't make it, but. Uh, it, it is it is up for people to see. So I, I did accomplish that, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, uh, I guess um, I, I know that your your earliest playbooks you said uh, aren't uh, on this list because they were uh, they died in the great uh, G plus purge. But um... uh, yeah, the, the infiltrator and the fan uh, are the name are two of the ones that. The in, the infiltrator was my my the first playbook that I wrote and put up on on G plus. It is on the list because I went back and uh, touched it up. Um, and same with the fan. Um, but there's there's a few others that didn't make it on on there. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But yes, no, no, that's fine. That's actually super interesting. Then, so the infiltrator is your is your first playbook. Um, is there uh? And you said you, you touched it up. Uh, so what kind of things did you find, like, going back to it that, that you felt needed to be uh, changed, um, uh, you know, to to make it uh, to the point where you wanted it to be uh, posted up again? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Um, so in the in the process of of writing Power by the Apocalypse stuff, and now if I'm if I'm allowed to plug a little bit, um, I am writing my own Powered by the Apocalypse hack for like a Monster Trainer Pokemon Digimon um, game. I'm actually in the middle of playtesting uh, it actually at this point. Um, I, I've, I've found that the, the chassis of the playbook is more important than the moves or, or any of the other like bells and whistles like team moves. Um, so g- going back to the Infiltrator, and, and this also applies to the, to the fan, um, it used to be called the Otaku, but I, I decided to, to change the name to be a little bit more, um, less pejorative, I guess, is a, is a good term. Um, a lot of the moves were things that really should have been part of the, the extra mechanic. Um, they, they, they didn't really reference the wider narrative. They were really insular to the, the mechanic of the playbook. Like, the, the Infiltrator sort of, um acquire secrets from his team or her team or their team that they can then use to sort of buy off the heat from whoever they're, they're spying for. Um, and originally I sort of based that mechanic off of the web from the, I believe the vampire from urban shadows. Um, now it's, it's more like, I guess you, I think the term is strings from, from monster hearts. They, it kind of functions in a similar, in a similar process where, Instead of influence over the team, you can you can spend your your secrets um, to sort of emulate influence for a little while. Um, so that so that obviously changed mechanically, um, and I, I think it's a lot more slick. Um, having having done a lot of playbooks, messing with mechanics has really put me in a position where I, I sort of know now, and I, I would hope so after having done so many. Um, I, I just it, it came a lot easier to to go where I wanted to go, and not quite crib so hard off of just other other powered by the apocalypse games that I I had been you know reading. I, I think I've read twelve or thirteen, fourteen systems now just to see kind of what other creators are doing and and where they've used 
the same mechanical ideas, but you know, in different different ways. Um, which has, you know, that that's obviously been part of the process is, is research, um, which I guess I didn't I didn't mention it before. Um, so yeah, really, just a, a, the entire playbook was a mechanic, and and now I think it more closely approaches a, an actual playbook where where everything doesn't just feed back to the extra mechanic. There's there's more more to the playbook than just accumulating secrets and and buying buying people off. Um, yeah, I would say that's that's I, you know I I look, looking back on it it's it's not even even you know you wouldn't recognize it it's it's changed so much um, and that that took about a week to do to really hammer out and um, see what needed to be replaced what needed what could stay um, none of the none of the wording was right so that took a lot of time um, you know as as the first playbook I wrote I didn't really try to emulate the wording that masks use uses uh for mechanics and stuff so instead of like mark potential it was just uh you know mark experience and and, you know very loose language um so that's that's definitely you know something that made me made me i guess cringe a little bit was just looking at it and going how how did i how did i write this um i i generally don't like looking at my my work i'm i'm pretty um I, I look at it and I just see problems that I need to fix. I don't really see the the benefit of it. So it's always gratifying when people see my work and say they really like it because I don't have that. I don't have that capacity. I can't enjoy the things that I that I create. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad. Other, I hope other people do. So uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, so clearly your your playbooks have uh, like just by breadth. Uh, there are a lot of people. Who have, who have played it? Um, I, I on the document I noticed that there that quite a few of them are are play tested. So is that uh, play testing that you've personally done on them, or is that just you've heard that someone else played the book and you've gotten feedback from it uh, from like other games that you weren't weren't a part of? Any anything that's on the play, anything that's on the master sheet that has a that's been played that has a play test check mark is stuff that I've personally overseen play testing for. So yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and act- actively play tested, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, but I mean, um, <clears throat> so how, how do you f- usually go about a play test? Is that like is that like a campaign long thing for you? Like, it, or is it, uh, or do you find like a one shot is enough to really get a feel for whether the playbook's working or not? Uh, a mix. Um, so I was running a really long play by post game um and my player i had basically stopped writing playbooks i g you know g plus died and i didn't actually know about the masks discord um that sort of formed after g plus's death um so i wasn't really interested in in homebrewing anything really um but one one of my players wanted to play the relic uh, is is the playbook that came out of this? Um, so, sort of a samurai Jack. You've been teleported to the future from the from a, a, a strange past. Um, <clears throat> and you know, I guess I guess you could technically use the Harbinger, but that wasn't out yet. Um, or the Innocent, which doesn't really quite capture that that drama. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I said, oh sure, yeah, I'll I'll just I'll write something up really quickly. Um, and I, you know, the the player really liked it. They never got to play it, unfortunately. Um, they they no they didn't they they ghost the game basically. Um, but you know, the work was still done. So um, then another player who's a longtime uh, friend and playtester of mine named Tom, um, we had been running this this campaign, and the the idea was that there'd be a second season, uh, which unfortunately didn't happen. Um, but they wanted to play sort of a red X sort of X protege that, you know, went into the, the seedy underbelly of the, the, the villain world. And that became the persona. Um, and around that time I stumbled on the masks discord and that really helped sort of solidify the, the, the creation process. So I would, I would say the persona is probably the first playbook that really clicked mechanically i think that's the first one that really 
that would making making that one really taught me and there's still things that i think i i could change about it of course um but it, it really taught me what it meant to make a, a playbook um and that's kind of where those those questions arose originally um and they're now playing the persona um in another play by post game and so that that's a, that's one that's that's long form um but for the most part the rest of them have been uh one shots the witch the witch also has been in the witch and the in uh, inheritor have been in in long form games but the rest of them have all been one shots or two shots or or you know very limited play designed to sort of highlight their mechanics and make sure that their moves <laughs> moves work without breaking the game or, or causing confusion. All right. Um, so if you could pick your top four playbooks that you release and would like to like do a deeper dive on, put a spotlight on, which four would you say those are? That's a really good question. Um, I think the ace is really solid. It's sort of just the shonen protagonist. I really never grew up with comics. I grew up reading a lot of manga and watching a lot of anime. So that's sort of my my design space. Um, and the ace is just pure shonen protagonist, you know, Ichigo from bleach Naruto from Naruto. Um, so the ace, the ace seems really popular. Uh, everyone who's played it has, has really, really liked it. Um, my graphic designer, Sam is actually working on the art for that. We'll be putting out the, witch, the ace and the Ronin together, um, and a PDF for sale here, hopefully the end of the month or next month. Um, which will be, I guess, our, our first collaborative thing for sale together. So super excited about that. Um, the Witch is is also really good. Um, I think it's I think it's really interesting because the design concept there was I wanted to make a playbook that didn't ex- didn't didn't have anything outside of its its extra. Like the whole entire playbook was an extra. Um, so all their abilities, all their moves. All, all of their, you know, all that mechanical weight is is in one really neat package, um, and it's it's worked really well. Um, so I, I would say say the ace, um, the royal, I think is is the one that everyone really really likes. I've seen a lot of people on the on not just the masks Discord but the Magpie um, Discord, and actually um, Magpie themselves have seen the royal and said they really like it. Um, to me, so um, yeah, I, I would say the the Royals one the one that I'm most happy with mechanically. It's pretty mechanically heavy, um, requires a lot of buy in from the GM. But I, I think if you put the legwork in, it's it's been really satisfying for me as a GM playing with people who who choose it. Um, and a fourth man, that's hard. Um, one one I guess that doesn't get a lot of attention that I I think should is the liminal. They are sort of um, a character who lives between the villain world and the hero world, um, and somewhat different than the reformed, where the reformed is trying to stop being stop being a villain. Uh, the liminal sort of has loved ones and people they care about on both sides, so there's a tug of war mechanic for them, um, and their moves are modular. So depending on where you are, I guess on that tipping scale. Um, depends on actually what your moves do in the narrative. Um, and I, I don't think there's any playbook on the sheet out of, I think, 100 plus now that does anything quite quite so differently. Um, so I think, I think it deserves a lot more attention than, it, than it's actually gotten. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking, looking through this one uh, now, and it, it's very... Very interesting. The uh, yeah, all how the, these kind of symmetrical moves that the um, uh, that like trigger differently based on the hero and villain uh, force. That's yeah. That that's that's uh, super interesting. I'm I'm gonna give that a deeper look. Uh, Thanks. Sometime. Um, yeah, I I it was a lot of a lot of work. Um, to sort of balance how mechanically robust it was because you know you don't want a playbook especially in a game like masks where there's a lot of bookkeeping and a lot of you know mechanical nitty-gritty um so 
I, I don't know if it hit that line. It, it may actually be a little bit more complicated than most people would want. Um, once we get into PDF, um, it will probably be a lot easier to read than it is on 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 Google Google Sheets. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that'll 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 clear up a little bit of the the mechanical confusion. Um, but I I think it straddles the line just just right. Maybe maybe falls down a little on the side of you know a little a little bit more mechanically p- complex than than the, the the core books. But I again I think a lot like the Royal. If you it, it, it's rewarding if you put the, the a little bit of extra work. I feel it needs. Um, uh, the other consideration. Um, was sort of sort of like how the Doom and the Nova, where you know you have these wildly divergent mechanics for their their playbooks. How, you know how do you how do you um, how do you take them through advances? Has has is a is a question that I always ask when doing funky things like what the Liminal does. Um, so that's actually in the that's actually included in the GM section of of all my playbooks. I, I write a GM section for all my playbooks. Um, and that go, that goes for the. I think the witch also um, has a consideration for that, since they sort of have like a, a burn pool where they have points they can spend on their moves. I think I think um, I also I need to go and check on that uh, because we're putting it we're putting it for sale soon. So uh, I need to make sure that that's that's been touched up. Um, but yeah, I, I it, it really bugs me how the the Nova and the and the Doom sort of are are islands. Um, in the mechanical sea, um, so it's it's been a heavy consideration, not just in masks, but in my own in my own work outside of masks to make sure that no playbook is an island, that everyone sort of gets gets to have access for e- you know e- equally. Uh, yeah, um, it's yeah it, the the doomed and the uh, and the nova are have always uh, been a little bit weirdly out of place especially since they uh there are other playbooks that can specifically steal their their one core mechanic um yeah uh which is just oh like especially the i mean the the doomed it, it's not even limited like the uh like anyone any of the playbooks that can take on uh nova uh burn and uh flares they they get the limited number of flares but well the the nova gets more of them but if you take on a doom, you basically get everything in the doomed playbook except for the sanctuary, right? Which you know, I, I if if I were, I guess suppose if I were writing masks from the ground up, the the doomed would would not be a, a playbook. It's one of the playbooks that I I like the least in core. Um, I think you can tell its drama through just the story, um. Without it really, you know, needing needing a mechanical weight to it, it it's a th- it's a really thematic playbook, and I I want to like it. Um, I had a player who um, helped me sort of solidify the the um, world that I use in my in my play in my my games. Um, that that did a really cool doomed, and I, I think that might have ruined it for me. They played like a a dark Narnia style character, like. Um, like dark fantasy Narnia, so elves and orcs and and all that, but parallel sort of universe world where time moves differently, and um, it was a really it was a really cool character. Um, so I think that just sort of ruined ruined Dune for me, seeing it done so well the the first time I ever ran it. Every every sort of iteration of Doomed after that is has sort of um lost its savor. I I guess is the is the term. Yeah, I, I I mean I can see that if you've got like one like idealized like the someone does it so well it's it's a, it's a hard act to follow. Um, yeah, uh, we've talked a bit about the liminal and the royal, uh, the witch you've we've touched on briefly about the about how how you kind of built them, uh, kind of like uh, the the uh, the doomed and the nova as they're all extra no move, um, uh, mm-hmm. as a playbook. Um, um, but we haven't really, really touched on the ace other than shonen protagonist. Um, is there anything from this playbook that you think, uh, needs to be highlighted? Things that you've seen people overlook when they're, uh, you know, uh, I, I think a lot of, a lot of people don't have the, 
I'm trying. I'm trying to pick my words carefully here. Um, I, I think a lot of a lot of people don't really quite grok what shonen is as as a genre. Um, you know, I think people look at shonen and think, oh, well, it's all just bleach. It's all just you know Naruto. It's all just actiony. You know, um, no no real depth. Those people, you know, shouting their attacks and and you know big flashy explosions. Um, but I, I think I think shonen works really well as a sort of masks genre in that it covers a lot of coming of age stories, which I think is kind of at the root of of masks. That's one of the things that I really like about it. I'm really I, I'm really attracted to coming of age stories um, just from personal life experience, and I think the the you know fighting fighting to create bonds of friendship, the struggle of you you know having your friends along for the struggle is is masks. I think that's really, you know, core to the the drama of of masks is not just not just having issues and having drama but having issues and drama alongside your your teammates and coming together and and solving each other's drama and, and sort of, you know, I've I've done my part now you do your part and that's all we can do for each other sort of mentality. Um so I think when when I've seen applications for the ace outside of um, my own place because obviously I'm there to sort of coach and like talk about what the mentality is going into it. Um, but, you know, GMs, other other GMs, um, send me applications that they've received. You you know, scrubbed of of any um, personal identification. Of course, I would I wouldn't want to know that. I'm not really you know interested in in knowing who they are. I just want to see what people do with do with my work. Um, yeah, it's all very kind of Western comic-y still where it's, you know, there's, so the, um, the ace has an adversary, um, and I, I had to really pick my, my words carefully because I couldn't call it a rival, obviously. Um, but basically that's what it is. It's like an NPC that you invent that you're a rival to, and they sort of have similar powers. Um, so like the Sasuke or any number of, you know, shonen central antagonists are, you know, typically friends of the the main character and the, the 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 drama is not necessarily revolving around the will to to, to hurt them or kill them, but uh, you know it's a, it's a, a disagreement of philosophies, not necessarily a disagreement of um, intent. Um, so I, I wanted to highlight that, and I think that also sort of encapsulates the issue that I see with people taking the ace um, wrongly. As they see the adversary more as an, an enemy, where it really should be someone that they're you, except the circumstances have, are different. So they they came out twisted, um, and you know if if they didn't, you could you know they, you would be best of friends. Um, so I, I think I think that really highlights what I think people miss with the adversary. Um, but every, everyone who's played it really likes the adversary system. So I guess you know um, they, people can play things as they want. I'm not here to um, police what people do with my creations. Um, I'm, I'm just happy that people use them generally. Uh, and I'm usually excited to see what people do. I, re- I really like it when people um, make characters that I didn't expect to be made with the playbook. I really like, sub- you know, subversion, obviously, you know, subverting player, uh, you know, play mechanics, subverting uh, mechanical design. So when my stuff is subverted, I, I feel like that, if if people can find a way to subvert it, because I try to write as broadly and and uh, as subvert uh, subversive immune as possible. So when someone actually gives me an idea that I never really planned for or considered, um, that that to me means that the the playbook is good. I can finally take a little bit of enjoyment out of it. Uh, do you have any uh, any specific examples of of this? Um, my graphic designer played a royal. Who so so the royal has these rules that they have to follow because their their family has sort of bred them to be powerful and obviously they're they're putting a lot of expectation on the shoulders of this you know this this child that they've they've bred or you know trained up um, so there's there's sort of a drama of are you are you happy being sort of a a leashed dog like yeah you have a nice leash but are you happy being on the leash um, and sort of coming to terms with your own individuality against the individuality or, you know, the, the group think of your family or, you know, not necessarily family. It could, it could be an organization or, or any sort of thing like that. Um, but the, 
so they they have rules sort of like the um the newborn very similar um mechanically to the newborn uh newborn's lessons i guess is the is the is the term that the newborn uses um so normally it's like you can't go out after after nine o'clock or you must um you know live up to your family's image at all times and if you don't obviously there's mechanical repercussions for for not towing the the family line um but uh sam my my graphic designer uh played played a royal whose family wanted nothing to do with them so all all of their their fetters they're called mechanically all their fetters were like don't be seen around the family don't mention you're part of the family so it was a really it really turned the idea of um the leash into a sort of a wall uh so that was that was really interesting um it, because that was not you know I, I sort of had an inkling that people could do that but i didn't expect anyone to do that um but sam, sam and i wrote uh sat down and wrote a character for them uh to play in another of the the play by post games and it just amused us a lot to sort of to to sort of just ignore the the less the the fetters and sort of make them uh, really central and, and antagonistic to to their to their life. Um, so it, it played out really really amusingly. Uh, yeah, no, that sounds uh, that that sounds like a really interesting way to to kind of use that mechanic in reverse. Um, uh, if you don't mind me uh, talking a little bit about uh, one of the the games I've played in, uh, no, please go ahead. I've been talking a lot. Well, I mean, it is, and you are being interviewed. That that's kind of expected, but uh, yeah, I've tried, tried. That, uh, But yeah, in a game that uh, that I'm uh, currently in, actually, the uh, one of the other players uh, was back when we were making characters was trying to to build a Nova, but wanted to basically wanted to play a character who's like afraid of uh like breaking the world uh very like uh worried about like being too strong like a young superman kind of character um yeah and uh but the the nova's like powers were all like too big and too flashy for like the kind of like uh story they wanted to tell so we ended up uh actually reskinning the the transformed where it's not that they are, you know, the, the, they are physically obviously monstrous. It's that they're, they're just too powerful, too strong and have very, ha- don't have enough control. And that in itself is kind of monstrous. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I sort of had that idea for the, the vessel playbook that I wrote. Um, uh, let me pull that up real quick. Sure. Um, but yeah, that, I, I, like I said, I, I really, um, I was really into counterculture growing up, um, so I, it always amuses me to see people kind of reworking the the rules and the the, con- the conceits that they bring into the game to um, to flip things on their head. I like that a lot. It makes it it, it certainly makes things more interesting. Um, as as a, having GM'd, I'm I'm a perpetual GM. I'm actually not in any in any mass games um, that are moving at any. I, I'm in one, but it's it's glacial. It's play by post. Um, I'm sure the the people who know about that game will will be irritated with me saying that maybe. Um, but I've I've definitely GM'd more masks than I've I've played in masks. Um, so you know you you sort of see you sort of start at least I had started to see the transformed very often was a, a cyborg. Not the character cyborg, but just the the, the concept of a cyborg um, or a living statue. Those those definitely were the two most popular. Or the bull is always Superman. Um, so it always it always makes me happy to see people who sort of think outside the box and uh, work to to sort of add a, their own their own flavor. And there's something to be said about the about the tropes and the, the stereotypes. Um, you know, not not everyone is eager to to sort of subvert things and 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 be silly. That you know, some people just want to sit down and play the damn game. So, um, I don't know what your policy is on cursing, but uh, uh, yeah, we're we're uh, uh, we label all our stuff as not safe for work, so nobody has to censor themselves. So don't don't. Oh, okay. Worry about it. Yeah. No, I'm not saying not asking because I want to curse, but just making sure if it if it if it slips. 
Um, I, I used to work on the radio, so I'm 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 used to um, not not saying anything inappropriate. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of playbooks here. Is there anything else you feel like uh, you want to talk about? Is there any playbooks that you felt like took a long time to get together, like that that you really struggled uh, with? Oh man, uh, yeah. Um, let me let me pull up the list uh, because um, I've written a lot, so it's not all quite uh, in in there. Um, oh, sorry. I, I had earlier said that it was the Pariah that I wrote in in an hour. It was actually the Averse that I wrote in an hour. Um, just to set the record straight on that. Um, but um, the Bereft took a while. Um, the luminary took, and I'm not, I, if I could delete the luminary, I would, I'm not particularly happy with that one. Um, and I think that the Tulpa sort of is what I wanted the luminary to be, but I just, for some reason did not, um, did not click when I was writing the luminary. Um, so if you want to play a better luminary, play the Tulpa, which I'm very happy with the Tulpa, um, considering I wrote it completely drunk in like an hour. Um, Yeah, the, the Lunar took about three weeks. Um, and again, I'm not, not happy with it, so it probably should have taken longer. Um, the Relic um, didn't take long to write, but um, I, don't, I don't know if you want to talk about more than, than just the playbooks. Um, obviously, I think you, we, we talked about I'm, I'm going to be running a Kickstarter um, sometime this year, I really hope. Um, so if you, wanna, if you don't mind talking about that a little bit, obviously kind of pimping that out. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. If if you want to talk about that, as long as it's at least mildly tangential to masks, like go ahead. Uh, it's it's completely it's completely masks related. Um, so, um, I've sort of talked about the the play by post games that I've run. Um, so I I really like what's called living systems, um, and living worlds. Uh, are you are you familiar? From, sorry, are you familiar with that term? Uh, not quite. And even if I was, maybe for the, for the audience, if you could explain it. Sure. Uh, so a living world and a living system, um, and uh, design philosophy is you have one setting, and every successive game that you play in the setting builds off the actions and the history of the game before it. So you're essentially writing a timeline, but it's a living timeline. That uh, everything on the timeline is introduced in game or, you know, through the process of, of playing, obviously, you know, you go back and sort of fill in, fill in things, you know, past and future, depending on the game and sort of in between the, in, in between the games. Um, so my settings called San Francisco, uh, obviously with a name like that, it's sort of like a pan Asian West coast city, um, sort of like a Vancouver, Seattle, LA, San Francisco, obviously, um, and again, I'm, I'm very anime inspired, so it sort of plays up that shonen, um, shonen action. Um, so I started writing basically a setting document, um, after the, I've, I've run three year long plus play by post games. I am, I'm running one currently. That's the third one. Um, it has a persona. It has the persona in it, but everyone else's, uh, you know, core playbooks. No one else's is, um, no one else is a uh, fan book. Um, and that sort of kind of started me on this journey of making twenty six playbooks. Um, it be, it came to the point where I was like, oh well, you know, if I'm writing the setting document, maybe I could include the persona and the relic in in it. Um, and then people were like, oh well, you should include some of the NPCs and you should include, you know, more than just, more than just the setting document. You should, you know, there should be more in it. Um, so I had to write a couple more playbooks. Um, and I think, uh, on our, let me, let me pull it up. Uh, so the inheritor, uh, came out of that. Uh, the persona, obviously the relic in the Royal are in it. Um, the inheritor is sort of, you are part of a fallen legacy, so the the drama is that you're trying to build your legacy back up, or maybe the you know the legacy fell to villainy is is all another angle that I I see a lot of people do. Um, uh, the transfer, which is sort of like 
Smallville Clark Kent, so not quite Clark Kent, kind of like off the farm Clark Kent. Um, that one's been really fun to play. I'm I've got a transfer in my main voice game for masks. Uh, he's incredibly wholesome and uh, definitely a, t- a team favorite. Th- that whole team is really, really fun. And I like every character that's in it, but um, the transfer really has played up the down, down home country, you know, big, muscly, soft hearted guy trope. Um, and or- originally I had written the defector, um, which uh, this this sort of segues back to your your question about uh, playbooks that took a long time to write. Um, so I wrote the Defector to be the the sixth playbook. Um, I don't remember exactly what the order is. I know the Persona and the Relic were were the original two, um, and I think the Royal was was next, and probably the Inheritor um, after the uh, after the Defector. Um, so as as I got better writing playbooks. Um, the the persona and the relic and the royal were maybe like playbook seven, eight, and nine, uh, so kind of halfway through the, the through the the process that I guess now I have. Um, I had written the defector to be somewhat similar to the Nova in that um, they had a class choice, I suppose is, is a good term at the beginning of character creation, where depending on what kind of villain you were before you defected or whatever hero you were before you defected from your team would determine what your um what your abilities were and it also determined how you would roll for your flare type mechanic and then you sort of had um flares that you could you know pull off in the moment um and as as i wrote more playbooks uh as ideas sort of started filtering in from other people or just you know my own my own mindset um I got less and less happy with the defector. I I really didn't like how kind of janky it was. Uh, it took a long time. It, it that that one took maybe four weeks to write just in its initial form. Um, and as this book that we're writing, it's called The Worst Generation. Hopefully, we'll have it up for Kickstarter. I'm really hoping around April. Um, we'll see how that goes. Co- we wanted to have it done by the end of last year, but COVID. Um, is a complete bitch and ruined a lot of our plans. Um, we wanted the war book to be done way earlier than it is. That's the, the witch Ace and Ronin. We're very clever. Um, so, you know, now we're, we're just barely getting that, that scraped together. Um, so, um, yeah, I guess, so the defector just sort of lost its, its luster for me as I started comparing it to much, much better playbooks. Um, so I took it off the list and I replaced it with the Ranger, which is another one that people really like. That's sort of like a Power Rangers, um, pastiche with kind of like a mean girl angle. I, I really struggled with the Ranger. How do you play a giant robot in a game of teenage superheroes? I didn't really know how to, how to square that. Um, like how dependent are they on the giant robot? How can you get a giant robot in an industrial complex? How do you, how do you make that? something that fits the narrative all the time. And the answer really boiled down to you don't, you can't. Um, it's just, it's just too much. It's too much work for the GM, for the player. Um, and it, what do you do when you don't have your super robot around? You know, you, that's an entire playbook feature that you're not going to be using. Um, so it took me a while to, to kind of figure out what I wanted the Ranger to be. I knew I wanted to replace the defector and I know I, w- I knew I wanted to replace the defector with something more anime esque. Um, so I knew it, I knew I wanted it to be a Power Ranger. Um, so what I came up with is they're no longer part of their their team. They're now in the in the the team that the players are. Um, so there's sort of like this mean girl esque aspect where the the former team is sort of you know the the cool in group that they've you know to kind of put it in a, a teenage high school setting you know they used the the ranger used to be a cool jock and now they're playing with the D and D nerds um, so they sort of have this reputation that everyone expects them to be this shallow or maybe douchey you know spoiled prep kid um, but you know trying to change that cha- trying trying to change that and, and become a, a better person. Um, 
So not not really Power Rangers related, but they still get a cool robot for their moment of truth instead of a moment of truth. So I, I managed to get that in. Um, but then I, I saw the defector, and I wanted to bring up all the playbooks that I had written post G plus to be on the same level. Um, so I went back and I think I spent almost a month retooling the defector and I'm much happier with it. Um, so the, so we've, we've talked about stretch goals a little bit. We really, you know, we're a two, we're a two person team where there's not really a whole lot we can do, um, for stretch goals and having, having been part of a video game company that, their game is not out because of Kickstarter um, related issues. Um, we don't really want to give any physical rewards, not just because of COVID, but just there's, there's two of us. And um, I don't know if you know a lot about Kickstarter, but physical rewards basically take up all the money you, you earn from Kickstarter to, to get out, especially if you get a lot of backers. Um, you actually can end up spending more than what you, what you got um, from Kickstarter for giving out physical rewards. Um, so obviously we, we want to avoid that. But one of the things we've talked about is more playbooks. Obviously, there's a ton of them that I've written. So um, we've we've selected four. The Defector is is one of them. The Liminal is another that we've selected for uh, stretch goals. Um, additional art stuff. Um, I wrote a Shonen style tournament mechanic. Um, so we might do like a trading card uh, for people to sort of use for the mechanics of that. Um, so pretty pretty exciting stuff. I think. Um, does that? Sorry, does that? It, kind of a roundabout way of answering your question. I, I would say the defector, the ranger, the luminary. Those those took the longest. Those, those took the longest to write. Getting back to your question. No, no, that was actually really interesting. Like to to hear about like how how this stuff uh, all all came together and uh, about your your upcoming projects. Um, I, and I hope other people are excited too. Um, so shared a, a little bit of art. Uh, uh, with us that uh, for the royal and the witch, uh, uh, how how that's going to look in the, uh, uh, when when they're uh, being put out into you know uh, PDF playbook form, um, and they 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 both look pretty good. I, I I'm uh, it, it definitely looks like something that uh, they'll be uh, like worth taking a look at it like aesthetically on its own. In addition to you know. Uh, you know, get, getting to look at these uh, playbooks in a, you know, the more, uh, I don't want to say better, but, you know, the, the more familiar layout that, that people who have only, you know, used the core books uh, would right. be familiar with. You, you, you can say better. G plus is ugly. Or, uh, Google Drive is ugly um, and, and not very well, not very well organized. You, you can absolutely say better. Yeah. Um, Sam is a professional. They work as a graphic designer in their their day to day life. I'm allowed to say that. They told me to make sure that I said that they're professional. They are professional. Um, they've been drawing for as long as I've known them. I've known them now for oh god, um, almost half almost half my life now. Twelve, twelve, thirteen more. Yeah, more than half my life maybe. Um, yeah, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years. It's been a really long time. Um, I actually I actually moved across the country to um, to move in with them. So, um, I mean, I'm incredibly spoiled. Uh, their, their work would, would cost a fortune, uh, if, if I were hiring them. So I'm incredibly lucky to have them as a friend and a brother, and I'm incredibly lucky to have them as a business partner. Cause again, they are, they are professional and, um, it, I think it definitely shows. I think, I think the art is, is really quality. Um, I sent it to, to Magpie to show and, and, uh, they were, they were incredibly impressed. I can't. I can't share what they said. Uh, there was a lot that they sent me, um, but they, yeah, they were. Uh, they were impressed. So, was very, very gratifying for for both of us. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely know uh, uh, that that joy. Um, uh, the the enduring the playbook I wrote. Uh, all of that. The 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 character art uh, is all done by by my brother. Uh, uh, you know. Uh, fellow uh cast member uh uh joe who uh uh who who does all of his work for me for free because he's a he's my a wonderful younger brother uh and i i'm eternally grateful to not have to pay for art because he's there to to help me out yeah i i would not be doing the kickstarter if it wasn't for the fact that i want to make sure that my my friend is paid um i obviously i want to make a little bit of money out of it but if i don't make a cent on the on the kickstarter um 
I'm I'm okay with that as long as my as long as Sam gets, Sam gets paid. Um, they they will make sure that I get paid. We've we've had not not arguments, but you know, joking back and forth um, about it. Uh, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just you know their their time is valuable, and you you you've seen a couple of the pictures. I I can't share the relic or the ace with you. The ace artwork is being worked on uh, this weekend. Um, they've sent me some pre- preliminary sketches. Um, and I'm very excited for people to see it, especially since the Ace is, is one of the playbooks that um, I think a lot of people really like of of ours. Um, so, having seen the sketches, I'm I'm really excited to share it with people. But yeah, you've you've seen. I think I yeah I shared the the witch and the the royal with you. Um, so those are the two that I'm allowed to share. Um, so um, I also have them up on Twitter, so you can maybe put links to those um, when the when the time comes in the description. Um, yep. So that other yeah, people definitely other people can. can see and I, I think the art and the layout speaks for itself. I think um I think we, we put out we put out quality products. So we, we hope we put out quality products. Uh yeah. Uh well I mean uh that de- we'll definitely be uh you know when when all this gets uh gets released and when uh that your Kickstarter goes live, uh feel free to get in contact with us. We'll we'll definitely signal boost you. Uh, oh thank you so much. That's very that's very kind of you. Yeah, well, I, I mean, we're that's kind of the, the the whole point of doing all these interviews is that we're trying to help signal boost uh, members of the masks community who, you know, put out the effort to to put out you know playbooks and stuff and and uh, other things for the community to to use. So you know, all right. Well, um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we uh, call this uh, interview to a close? I think we've we've ta- we've hit a lot. I you know hitting all twenty six would probably be really difficult. Um, let me let me take a look and see if there's any others that might need to that might need to be highlighted. I, sh- I should ask you if if you've seen some of the work. What are what are the playbooks that you like most? I'll I'll turn the interview on you for a for a minute. Um, I I think that um uh the Smith is definitely uh one of the ones I was. Uh, most interested in um, uh, I I like the idea of, of like focusing on, on a more like crafting based like uh, character in a way like the, the brain kind of uh, touches on but not like it's not really the focus uh, as much um, right and that and that was my problem with the brain and it's the reason that I wrote the Smith I wrote the Smith because I didn't really care for how the brain came out um, I think it focuses a little too much on the the Tony Stark and Ultron vibe, whereas um, you know just having a kid inventor would have been a would, would have been a cool playbook. Um, yep. So that's that's sort of where the Smith came. The Smith is also one of the ones that we'll be um, putting on the Kickstarter for a stretch goal. Um, although it hasn't it hasn't gotten a lot of attention, which I get. Um, it's it's pretty niche. A, a lot of the later playbooks are are fairly. Um, you know, you really want to have to to play to that drama, whereas I think a lot of like the inheritor you can kind of do a lot with the royal you can do a lot with, um, the transfer you can you can do you know you can do anything with the transfer the the uh, the central conceit is just they're not from the city so, um, you know the transfer sort of like an outsider but not you know same similar drama as the outsider but kind of in reverse like I am from here but I don't, and I don't know what's going on, whereas the outsider is sort of like I'm not I'm not from here I don't know what's going on. Um, I, in the, in the game that I have the transfer, I actually have a transfer and an outsider. So it's really been interesting to sort of see them, uh, ping pong off each other, you know, where the transfer is like, yeah, this is completely normal, but I don't get it when the outsider is like, this is not normal. I don't get it. So, you know, sort of seeing that drama play out between them is, has been really interesting. Um, and, and, you know, it was, it was expected. That was sort of the intent for the transfer. Um, I, I try to think of playbook pairings for each, each playbook to you know see where they would maybe intersect and and change the drama or, or share the drama or um you know change you know, change how they interacted with their own drama is is i think uh, a good way of 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 phrasing it um and the transfer from the outsider is definitely in in that wheelhouse um royal protege legacy sort of also you know has has that um vibe a lot of people actually when i first rolled out the royal were um fairly critical of it kind of sharing the same space as the legacy um i don't think people feel that way anymore i think i think people have 
figured out that that they're not really the same. You know, the, the legacy sort of wants to be part of the family, and they sort of strive to to be worthy of the family, whereas the royal sort of was adversarial at best, at, at 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 least uh, with with their with their family and and the the burden that's been put upon them. So I, you know, obviously within within sight of each other uh, in drama, but definitely different differently played out. Um, obviously, the inheritor and the legacy also sort of um, go back and forth in the playtest that I did. The inheritor, there was a legacy on the team, and it was interesting to sort of see someone's you know working really hard to get their legacy up, while so you know this other person was just kind of breezing through it. Um, I really, I really wanted them to share the legacy. Um, sort of, you know, one one part of the legacy having declined while the other part of the legacy sort of rose up and, and see what the drama was between that. But the person who played the legacy, and again, not not giving names, um, was not was not conducive to that that suggestion, which was really disappointing to me as a GM because I think that would have been really interesting to explore. Um, so that was a little disappointing. Maybe maybe one day um, in one of my one shots, I'll be able to um, see how that interaction plays out. Um, so yeah, and I guess the Smith and the Brain would have maybe some inter interesting interactions between each other. Um, so um, I'm glad you I'm glad you like the Smith. Yeah, as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I I definitely know that feeling of oh hey, it would be really cool if if a bunch of if players played these playbooks together. I. I think I've mentioned in one of the other interviews my my dream one shot of uh, a legacy of protege, um, uh, a, an and an innocent all being on the same team, where the legacy and the protege are both uh, the like uh, inheritors to the innocent's uh, like future self. Oh yeah, that'd be really cool. I would I would like to see that. That might actually be the one time I would actually enjoy having an uh, innocent in the party. Um, I'm not a big fan of time travel, so the the Harbinger and the Innocent are, are playbooks that I'm not particularly uh, keen on. But that's that's a really good that's a really good uh, start. Um, you should you should totally just make a game where people have to pick those. Yeah. And say this is this, this is what we're doing. Um, I I think especially now that um, the community is so large online, thanks thanks to COVID, um, people are now a little bit more receptive to playing things that they may you know may not initially want to play um i've seen a lot of um really narrow games on the masks discord um so you should you should go for it when you have the time i i encourage you to to go with that um that sounds really cool yeah. and with a three person uh, three person team that would that would really be be quite tight mm-hmm. yeah that that's that's my my thinking on that but i, I again uh, plan plan for the future, and maybe I'll I'll end up uh, uh, going going outside the podcast and and running that as a one shot at some point. Sure, but, absolutely. Um, Tell uh, me how it goes. Right. If you do. I'd be interested in hearing about that. Yeah, uh, sure, we'll do. Um, I guess uh, if that is everything, would you like to reiterate where you and uh, all of your projects can be found online? Uh, sure. So you can find all the playbooks on the master sheet on the discord for masks. Um, I don't really have a one-stop shop place other than that. Um, and look at them while you can, because a lot of them are being put into PDFs and will be up for sale. Um, so get them while they're free and, uh, hopefully support us when they're not because we put out really good quality. Um, again, my name is Kyle. Um, I go by Razad or Rosade, or however you want to say it, um, on the Mask server, um, and Vase here on, on Discord in general. Uh, you can find me at 832awesome, that's 830-T-O-awesome on Twitter, and you can find my partner in crime, Sam, at Neon Shift, uh, that's Neon with a 3 instead of an E, underscore Shift with an uh, 1 instead of an I. You can find them on Twitter uh, on that handle. They don't really um, do much in the community. They're they're too busy to sort of get involved in that. Um, so, um, yeah, if you guys ever have any questions about my content, please feel free to hit me up. I'm always happy to answer questions. Again, I make stuff for people to use, and I'm always happy to hear about people using my stuff. So uh, thanks again for having me on, 
and uh, uh, looking forward to maybe coming back and, and flocking that old uh, Kickstarter uh, as we get closer to it. Um, been been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, been really great to have you on. Thank you for coming on, and yeah, we'll definitely uh, talk to you sometime in the future. Absolutely, awesome, absolutely. Um, I I guess that that's it. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Tumblr at listentothesenerds.tumblr.com or on Twitter at LTTNCast. All our music is sourced from Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. You can email us at listentothesenerds at gmail.com.